Hey guys, I'm Abby. And I'm Ricky. And, and this, this is Woman to Woman, a gender leadership podcast. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about superwoman syndrome. And if you're not familiar with what it is, it's basically in the title. You're just trying to be superwoman. You're a woman that feels this pressure to be able to do it all and you need to be involved in everything. And if you're not doing that and you're not fulfilling these multiple roles, you feel like you're failing, but that shouldn't be the case. And more often than not, if you do have superwoman syndrome, you're feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and you're definitely overcommitted. You're probably exhausted, anxious, and stressed out to the max. All women can experience superwoman syndrome, but it can manifest in very specific ways for women of color. I'm speaking with the New York Times Dr. Burnett Ziegler, a clinic doctor whose experience and research shows the downside of superwoman syndrome, said we are proud of our tenaciousness and never let the world see us crack, but we are suffering silently with the mental and physical health consequences of carrying the burden of family, work, community, responsibilities, um, compound and personal experience of trauma and loss, all in an environment of pervasive racial and gender discrimination. So who exactly can superwoman syndrome affect? And the answer is basically everyone. It's moms, it's professionals, it's community organizers, it's activists, volunteers, and it could be young girls, college-age women who are also susceptible to different pressures depending on the environments that you're in. Mm -hmm. And some reports even show that girls as young as 13 suffer from superwoman syndrome. And I just feel like that's crazy right there. Just at 13 years old, you feel like you have to be everything and you have to be involved in everything. And that's mind-blowing to me. I think it's also some of this reinforced, like, even as you get older, because one of my close friends mentioned how in high school, everything she did was to get into college. And now that she decided Mm -hmm. what she wants to do after college, like, everything she's doing right now is just preparatory for what she wants to do in the future. Not only are you doing things academically, your life is still going on. Yeah. And a lot of times I feel like we feel like we need to make sure everybody else is good at the same time and ourself is last. So we're like extending ourselves too much into other people's space to make sure they're good or to make sure our organizations are running or make sure our job is getting done to the best of our ability. And I feel like we're just stressing ourselves out, trying to be everything that we can be. We're the last person on our list. Yeah. And just for those listening, you may be battling with superwoman syndrome if you experience any of these symptoms or think any of these things. So you're feeling like you're responsible for doing it all and you often feel overwhelmed. You strive for perfectionism and anything less than perfection, you're considering yourself a failure. You put other people's wants and needs over your needs and you have a difficulty saying no. So that's going back to extending yourself into other people's space before taking care of yourself. And you base your self-worth on your productivity or output. So you feel guilty if you aren't being productive. So you're not taking that time to relax or take care of yourself because you feel like you should always be doing something. So, Abby, just have you ever experienced superwoman syndrome? And where do you see superwoman syndrome happening on campus? Oh, for me, definitely. It's just like I'm in, I feel like I'm in the prime of my superwoman syndrome and just mm-hmm. trying to feel like I should be involved on like on campus. Just trying to hold down a job steadily, but also doing my work because I'm graduating and then but also being concerned about post-graduation, where I'm living, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Basically, in every aspect of my life, I'm perpetuating that superwoman syndrome on campus. I see it happening a lot with people who are trying to build their resumes so Mm -hmm. they're thinking they have to be involved in everything and that they should be involved and if they're not doing something like oh somebody else is going to beat me out for this position Mm -hmm. so then they're like overloading themselves and being overwhelmed and stressed out 
And that's just, that's not a good place to be. Cause I know I've also experienced last year, like I was in like a depressive state mm-hmm. and like close to like, you know, that mental threshold of a breakdown just because I was exerting myself far too much and feeling like I needed to be more than I was being, right. if that makes sense. And just going above and beyond what was expected and like in every aspect of my life. So I was never having any personal time, any me time to really relax and unwind because I always felt like I had to be being productive and doing something. So definitely. What about you? So I appreciate you sharing that. But also I kind of see how like the resume boosting thing is so important Mm -hmm. because again, like for myself and from what I've heard, like from a lot of people, it's like, what are schools going to be looking at? Have I done enough community service? Do I hold enough leadership positions with like all three of my jobs or whatever? Am I performing to the best of my ability? Will I have good references? And it's like, you're probably not performing to the best of your ability for each job individually because you have so many and you're spreading yourself out. Mm -hmm. And like, that's one of the hardest like things to navigate again for me personally I just I deal with a lot of family things mm-hmm. so also trying to make sure that I'm like there for every member of my family if they need me I have five sisters and my mother and three nephews so it's like if anybody needs to talk to me I'm the shoulder to cry on don't right. tell anybody else anything that you've told me is completely confidential mm-hmm. but still it's like who do I have to talk to after Right. And in many cases, it's like, do I make time to share these experiences with anybody else? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's also difficult to overcome that superwoman syndrome because I feel like once you put yourself in the place and the position of saying yes to all these different things, mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to be like, no, I don't have time for this anymore because you've already right. made that commitment. So that's my issue with trying to overcome it. It's because I've already know in my head that I've made that commitment. Mm-hmm. I don't like disappointing or letting people down right. if I know that it's something that I committed to initially. So I feel like that's one reason why I feel like I have to do it all. Mm-hmm. Or even after saying yes, like I feel like I can't retract that. Right. I get that. It's just, I don't know. It's like in the beginning, if I'm like, oh, I'll have time. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, towards the end like of the academic year or end of like any year in general before you have like a fresh start okay Mm -hmm. this one is going to be most hectic this one I'm going to have like the least amount of time but there's also a time where people's like oh do you want to hang out do you want to catch up before we leave before we do this and the other and it's like okay I can't just say no Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say oh you have time in your schedule well just let me know when you're free right right I but still, that takes my free time Mm -hmm. and especially if it's like oh well can you hang out on the weekend it's like okay Especially if I'm trying to make the weekends my personal time with my family, friends, or whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to do random meetups or random right. assignments, random work, whatever. It's so hard to care for yourself, especially mm-hmm. if nobody's like telling you to make time for yourself. Right. And I feel like that goes into like over-organizing or over-planning your life Mm -hmm. in that like I know for like three weeks I already have this this and this on this day and I just feel like there's never any time to like just go with the flow and like enjoy things and do things that you would actually want to do rather than having like things that you feel like are responsibilities that Mm -hmm. you have to do and also for me like the whole superwoman syndrome goes back to like just me being a first generation college student feeling like I have something to prove to somebody Mm -hmm. else or to prove to my family, like, oh, I made it here. Or the people from back home who didn't go to college, just like, this is something that you can achieve and we're all from the same place. So I feel like it's something to prove. I wonder, like, why do our viewers feel like they need to do it all? Just like after describing what superwoman syndrome is and how to identify it, why do you think we need to do it all? Yeah. Or why do women of color especially 
feel like we need yeah, to do it all. I think that's a big thing. It's women of color. It's just they're expected to do more and be more. When I think of black women, I think of like the pillar of strength and just mm-hmm. like something, somebody or someone that's always going above and above beyond for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people just expect that at this point. Right. So when you are the person that says no or you're the person who's taking time for yourself, people are looking at you sideways. Like, like you're oh, actually doing less than what you're like, supposed oh, to do. She could be doing more. And then right. there's the whispers and the side eyes. And I just feel like that shouldn't be the case because... Right. You're able to do both. You can you can do the things that you want to do, and then you can hold down your responsibilities as well. But making sure you're taking care of yourself first is primary at the end of the day. But like you said, it's really hard to just identify in what situations can you say no. Right. Because people are so often like, okay, but it's for the kids. Yeah, it's for so, the yeah. family. It's, it's for where the guilt tripping things exactly. come in. You're like, well, I can't really say no if it's for the kids or it's, oh, this is my brother. So mm-hmm. I feel like I have to do it. But it's like, you're tired, but you can't be tired. Right. Right. So it's like that. When do you have time to unwind? And the answer is you don't. You can't not so perform. It's like, there has to be something like that you have to overcome and you have to do, you really have to pick and choose the things that you really want to invest your time with because you're going to overwhelm yourself and you, you could come to that mental breakdown or stressed out or even even worse. So just mm-hmm. make sure you're taking care of yourself. This episode is sponsored by the American Association of University Women, the nation's leading voice promoting equity and education for women and girls. Since their founding in 1881, AAUW members have examined and taken positions on the fundamental issues of the day, educational, social, economic, and political. Thank you, AAUW. This week, our co-producer and marketing coordinator, Kamisha Chalmers, spoke with UNC alumna, Veronica Flaspolar, who is currently serving as Vice President of Financial Crimes Risk Management for Latin America and the Caribbean at Wells Fargo, about her experiences with superwoman syndrome. The first thing we'd like to start off with, we like to ask the three W's. So who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? All right. So who am I? I am a Costa Rican born, North Carolina raised woman. I'm mother of three-year-old Eliana Flaspolar and five-year-old Mateo and wife to John. I started with myself. And then my family, because they're um, a very important part of who I am. What do I do? So I am the money laundering reporting officer for um, Wells Fargo Bank's Latin American Caribbean regions. And so what that means is I act as the focal point within our company for the oversight of all activity relating to financial crimes and anti-money laundering for for my region um, and international. Why do I do it? Um, so for me, I have to find the personal, my own personal mission in the work that I do. I spend so many hours at work, and I really have to have a sense of my personal mission in, in what I do. And as the money laundering reporting officer, my job is really to um, keep the bad guys out of the financial system. Um, so that to me is the most important part in my job, but it's also important to like what you do. And, and I do like what I do. And it's a challenging career where I can use um, my critical thinking and analysis skills to understand international laws and standards and translate that in a way that the bank um, can meet its obligations as well. Wow. It's the first time I've heard that profession. So, (laughs) so this episode, we're talking about the superwoman syndrome. Some of the symptoms of superwoman syndrome 
are that you may feel like you are responsible for doing it all. You often feel overwhelmed. You strive for perfectionism. Anything less is a failure. You put other people's wants over your own needs and you have difficulty saying no. And then you base your self-worth on your productivity or output and you feel guilty if you aren't being productive. Have there been times where any of those statements have been true for you? Yes, most definitely so. Um, especially when I was an army wife. So my husband um, was in the military for eight years. Um, and during that time, I also had a full-time career pursuing promotions. Um, we had a small child and my husband was deployed often. So mm-hmm. I absolutely felt like I had to do it all because in reality, I had to do a lot, a lot extra because he was gone. But I did put extra pressure on myself to do more than what was really needed of me at that point in my life. And mm-hmm. especially, you know, that perfectionism thing. Um, I also actually had a similar experience when I was asked to interview for this podcast because I immediately thought I have to be charming and interesting and insightful <laughs> and, and perfect. And it's really everything I don't really feel that I am on this topic. And so I really had to take a step back and remind myself that <clears throat> all I'm being asked for here are my unique experiences. And by sharing my experiences with other aspiring women, I can help to demystify the process. And hopefully other women won't have to go through that same struggle. That definitely is going to help a lot of people, especially the women women of color that's on campus. Many uh, UNC students are involved in multiple student organizations, have jobs, have a social life, support family, in addition to trying to do well in their classes. What were some of the roles and involvements you had while a student at UNC? And did you feel pressure to try to do it all? I was pretty involved at UNC. Um, I was senior class vice president, um, president of the public policy majors union, which I did not do that well um, because I was overcommitted. Um, I was involved in the Carolina Hispanic Association, Campus Crusade. And then outside of school, I worked at Alpine Bagel and babysat sporadically um, and tried to be involved in my church as well. I used to love being, you know, super involved and trying new things. Um, but I do think that deep down I felt some pressure to do it all because I, I thought I had to prove my worth and, and prove myself. Mm. Um, I had to prove that I deserved to be at UNC and that I deserved the job offers I eventually got. I think the idea that because I'm a woman of color, I got to take some sort of shortcut was something I struggled with because I actually felt like I had to go the long way around versus getting a shortcut. But um, I do remember a guy in, in high school that didn't get into UNC, you mm-hmm. know, making a comment about how I got in because I was, uh, you know, a Costa Rican woman. And, and that stuck with me, you know, and um, I didn't have a strong support system of women of color around me in college, but um, I am happy to see that the Woman of Worth initiative and community has really taken off because I think that that's going to be a game changer um, for women of color and and this generation and is really going to help um, this generation learn boundaries and also confidence that I just don't think that I had um, at your age. That definitely speaks volumes because I know myself and many of my friends are feeling the exact same way as far as 
trying to find organizations to get in and being in them and actually learning something from them where it's not just that we're just attending meetings just to have it on paper, but really trying to enjoy ourselves at the same time. Um, Dr. Tazneem Bhatia wrote a book called Superwoman Rx, and in it she says, as women, we want to do it all and play multiple roles, but wanting to take on multiple roles can take a lot out of us and more energy than we might have. Have there been times in your life where you felt this way? Um, yes, actually, I, I'm actually experiencing that in, at this point in my life. Um, and I'm in a moment in my career where I have made a good um, reputation for myself and, and I have prior managers and contacts that are reaching out to me and asking me to consider new roles on their teams. Um, and it's all great, mm. except that I have to kind of take a step back and realize some of these things might not be the right choice right now. They could be, you know, five years from now, but am I going to be too overwhelmed with all the other things in my life and the goals that I have? Um, and so luckily I have a strong support system of, of family and friends that are reminding me of what's important. Um, but also more importantly, and one of my struggles is, is not to compare myself to others and feel like it doesn't mean that that's the right role for me. So absolutely. Yeah, I think that you mentioned a good point there as far as how to basically um, like not comparing yourself to other people, which is kind of difficult to do, especially I guess with us being in school and that's always something that's there. Um, how can the superwoman syndrome affect women in leadership roles? So I think that women in leadership roles are under, you know, a tremendous amount of stress already and, and adding unnecessary stress to that um, can really impact our ability to concentrate and make decisions. Honestly, these syndromes also impact us emotionally. And I know personally when I'm going through the superwoman syndrome, and I've done this to myself, that sometimes I have, you know, feelings of anger or sadness or I'm down on myself. And, and if I'm in a meeting, I might not respond in the best way because of all of this added stress and pressure and these feelings of anxiety that I have. And so that can also impact us um, in our performance on a daily basis. Right. Um, so in what ways do you think that the superwoman syndrome can contribute to the gender leadership gap? Um, well, going back to, you know, the, the previous question, um, you know, all of those negative side effects of the superwoman syndrome obviously impact our performance, but also mm -hmm. from a confidence level, when you constantly feel like you have to be perfect and you can't meet those expectations because they're not realistic, um, it impacts our confidence. And, and if you think about it, um, confident people apply for leadership positions, right? If I'm not confident, there's no way I'm going to apply for it. But then on the back end, even if we are, you know, in these roles and we have difficulty concentrating and, and anger and sadness feelings, it's absolutely going to contribute to the gender leadership gap because when we feel this way, we're, we're just not going to perform our best. And so it impacts us at the front end, but also the back end. And we don't need any help as women with struggles and, and factors that get in our way from, from climbing the ladder. But it's something that adds to, you know, the society and, and the structure of how leadership roles are, are gained today. 
Hey, this is Karami. And this is Kamisha. And we're here to just take this little quiz that I found concerning what your superwoman power type is. So this quiz was created by a doctor named Dr. Taz Batia, who is a board certified integrative medicine physician and also um, a wellness expert. And so this is certified. <laughs> this should be legit. And yeah, she uh, seeks to empower women. So she's right up our alley at the Women of Worth Initiative. So we're going to just take this quiz and see what our powers are. So this is like the only quiz that I don't have to be nervous for. So what were your results or what result did you get? I got that I am a nightingale. Okay, what does that mean? It says your selfless nature can lead to depleted energy levels, a weakened immune system, and chronic inflammation. This can result in many other long-term health conditions that nightingales must watch for. That sounds great. Okay, <laughs> shout out to you. <laughs> what about you? So I got boss lady. So boss lady, uh, your health challenges tend to revolve around digestive issues. So irritable bowels, acid reflux, heartburn, constipation, and more can negatively impact your energy, sleep, weight, and hair quality. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So one thing that I noticed with these questions is like, I didn't expect the questions to be about my health and my skincare and all of that. I thought it was going to be more about how I work in life because we were talking about our superpowers and with the super wonder, superwoman syndrome. Um, women are usually taking on a lot of roles mm -hmm. in their careers or in their personal lives. So I thought there would be more questions about like, do you feel overwhelmed with all the work that you do and stuff like that? But they were just opposite questions. So I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah, I'd say the same. Um, there's definitely a lot of questions here that I didn't really take into account. Mm -hmm. But I do see the connection on how they would reflect how your health is. Yeah. So I guess I got to watch my bowel system <laughs> Heartburn. <laughs> and I have to watch out for a weakened immune system. <laughs> Chronic inflammation. Yeah. It sounds like one of those uh, commercials. Right. I hear it wrong to chronic inflammation, but you will be fine. And it has all these side effects <laughs> on and on. So that was the power type quiz by Dr. Taz Batia. And if you want to take this quiz yourself, just go to drtaz.com slash power type quiz. And the link will be in the description of our podcast. So make sure you spell out doctor. You don't be like me and just put a VR. <laughs> and it takes less than five minutes to do. So yeah, fun stuff. Enjoy the podcast? Have comments, questions, or concerns? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UNC Women of Worth. That's UNC W-O-M-X-N of Worth. We here at the Women of Worth Initiative create and sustain a community for women of color and women who identify as members of underrepresented racial and ethnic populations that will promote academic success, holistic student wellness and success, identity development, and sisterhood at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Go Hills! All right, so we know that you're a wife, a mother, a successful career woman, and involved UNC alumni and probably many other things as well. What are some things you do to try to balance these multiple roles? Uh, I think that support system for me is number one. 
I, I think I mentioned before, I was an army wife for a period in my time. And so I had to quit my job and I had to look for something that fit my needs and aligned with my goals, which was be with my husband who happened to be in an army base. I did that knowing that that was my choice. And I took a job that allowed me to work remotely. And so over the past eight years, I have been very intentional in taking those jobs. And now we've relocated to Charlotte and I have more flexibility. But just because I have that flexibility doesn't mean I have to take a job where I'm in the office all all the time. Because if that doesn't align with my personal goals, then, you know, I need to respect that. Personally, for me, you know, that time of just being is really helpful. Um, I think for everyone that looks a little different than people are avid runners. I really wish that was me, but it's not. And that is not what helps, you know, me balance. For me, it's reading a book. And as cheesy as it sounds, um, my kids are still at an age where, where they love to snuggle. And so, When I snuggle them and just read like a kid's book with them, it really um, helps me kind of put everything in perspective and helps with my decision-making abilities, if if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think always having, you know, that thing that you go to um, for balance and calmness. Right. Do you ever feel like it's, I guess, negative for someone else to kind of take like a little bit of the fall or take a little bit of the load off of you? There might've been a time in my life where I felt like that a long, long, long time ago, but I have quickly found that it is not a negative. It is the biggest positive because that's what friends and family want to do. Right. I mean, it really takes the village um, and not just in raising kids, but in making life happen and go successful. There's a lot of peaks and valleys in life. Um, You know, death, come and sicknesses and um, happiness and accomplishments. And so it really takes a village to get through all of this stuff in life. And so um, I think that the people around us that love us and care for us um, want to do that for us. And so I know that when I see a friend or, or my husband or you know another family member um, that seems stressed, all I want to do is help alleviate that you know what is what can I do for you to to make this better you know can I just make you a meal or can I take you to dinner if I don't have time to cook can I just bring you some takeout you know whatever that is it might just be a simple gesture or it might be hey can you take my kids for a couple hours I just need some quiet time um people around us that's how they love us and so I think once we start recognizing that and letting others um, service in that way. And, and, you know, we have to be mindful to also when we have the ability to serve others um, in that way, I think all together, you know, it makes for happy and healthy relationships and ultimately less stress. And then finally, like ask for help. I think that's something, and we touched on it earlier that sometimes we look at like we're failing if we have to ask for help. Um, but the people around us want to help, first of all. And second of all, in order to make it all work, we absolutely have to ask for help. That really life is only more manageable with help. But, you know, it also makes it more fun and enjoyable. And for us, it, it's a perfect setup. We appreciate those couple of tips because they will go a long way. <laughs> <laughs>
So why is addressing the gender leadership gap important to you? It's important to me for, for a bunch of different reasons. You know, representation is, is so critical and key for women and especially women of color, you know, to be able to see other women that have made it gives us all the confidence and the courage to, to go for it. But besides that, you know, really it, gender equality is, is something that benefits everyone. It's good for both men and women, you know, to, to really shift this idea about gender roles. Some men, you know, want to embrace like more caretaking and supportive roles, but it holds them back from doing so just like it holds us back from leadership roles as women. Um, so I think it's, you know, better for families, it's better for men, it's better for women, but also it's better for business. Because if you think about it, the more diverse the candidate pool, the more talented the leaders that rise to the top will be. And so by being able to address the gender leadership gap, I think we'll have, you know, even better and more qualified leadership um, with a diverse set of ideas and opinions and perspectives that really reflect the demographic of our country. So we want to say thanks again to our guest, Veronica Flaspolar. And this episode was produced by Ricky Head, Abby Murray, Kamisha Chalmers, and Karami Ba. And our executive producer is Erica Wallace. And some words for encouragement for this week are give yourself a break. You're doing the best you can, and it's enough. Next week, we'll be talking about wellness in academia and the workplace. 